Go to sleep, Haley. <laughs> My dog was yawning. Now she's getting up and stretching. So, WWE had its uh, special last night called Backlash. Backlash. The backlash from... Supposed to be the backlash uh, of what went down at WrestleMania. I guess there were couple matches related to that, but um, first, you know, some other things that hearing and going on. Um, so, Paul Heyman has been removed from his position of head of creative on Raw and replaced by uh, Bruce Pritchard. So this has some people a little concerned or a lot concerned. Um, you know, there were Heyman guys like Apollo Crews, Aleister Black, who had been getting, you know, slow but steady builds. Um, you know, Aleister Black is new to the uh, Raw roster. Right, he was a uh, supposed call up from when NXT was considered the developmental territory. Uh, anyways, but Apollo Cruz had been floating around for a while, and he was popular with fans, but wasn't quite getting over that hump. Then you know, Heyman gave him uh, you know the United States Heavyweight Title. You know, also in that Heyman guy group were people like Andrade uh, and Angel Garza. Um, it, and they're all, all four are wrestlers that I enjoy seeing. Um, you also had Zelina Vega, who built quite the stable for a while. Uh, then one of the guys quit the group. I forget who. But anyways, you know, it, it's like they started build up with Raw, but the ratings weren't quite getting where they needed to be. And frankly, you know, three hours is way too long for Monday Night Raw. Uh, I mean, it just needs to be like a two-hour show. And, you know, I mean, SmackDown is so much quicker, so much smoother. Uh, same thing with NXT. It's just so much... There's so much more put into a small time frame, or two hours isn't a small time frame. Uh, but anyways, uh, you know, the ratings drop in hour three for Raw is crazy. And it always brings, you know, the ratings for the rest of the show down. So, but anyways, it's going to be strange to see, you know, what Bruce Pritchard will come up with for uh, Monday Night Raw. He's been doing SmackDown as the the lead creative guy for uh, a few months now. Um, also, Vince is not happy with the ratings for NXT versus All Elite Wrestling, AEW. Um, it, and the thing is, you know, don't mess with NXT. It's been the best wrestling. It's been the most over wrestling. You know, we as fans love it. 
And now, you know, because AEW is slightly higher in the ratings, you know, Vince is going to start messing with NXT. Uh, you know, NXT was still, you know, the young roster, you know, the guys that and girls that were just put on great matches, you know, and it was booked like wrestling. It wasn't booked like a damn soap opera with wrestling mixed in. And so it, I hope they don't mess up NXT too bad. But, you know, this is Vince in his latter stages, you know. It, it, he gives things like a couple months to work at the most, maybe a week. And then if someone or some angle or some new thing isn't working, then they just scrap everything and start something different. You know, uh, was at the end of 2019, they were going to, you know, change things up and everything was going to change. And then, of course, you know, all this crazy, you know, global pandemic stuff happened and threw everything to hell. But, you know, it it's like Paul Heyman told him when he took over um, Raw last summer that, you know, it would be an 18-month project. Well, we're a year into the 18 months. There's still six months left. And, you know, they're building new people and new talent. I don't want to turn on Raw every week and see, you know, Brock Lesnar not there. They're no champion. The one thing I do say I dislike about what Heyman's done with Raw is the Seth Rollins Monday Night Messiah thing. Seth Rollins was perfectly fine as Seth Rollins, the really good wrestler. You know, it could be a, a face or a heel. But anyways, so um, WWE is thinking of doing more restructuring soon, as in doing away with the brand split. And like I said, this would be terrible for... The NXT, because if they're no longer seen as the developmental territory or the developmental brand, and they're just, I mean, right now to me, they are the, the A brand. The, the wrestling's better. The storylines are better. The angles are better. Every, whatever you want to call, uh... You know, whatever you want to call it. There's like a million names for. Things in wrestling. If you're. Too much of a wrestling nerd. But. You know. NXT is the superior brand. Yeah their ratings might be the lowest. I don't know. <clears throat> They're under a million. But it's like WrestleMania 3. Alright? NXT is Macho Man versus Steamboat. Okay? Raw might be like Hogan versus Andre. That's Vince's baby. That's like 
the the top of the card supposedly but what everyone's talking about the day after the show is NXT or if it were WrestleMania 3 Steamboat Macho Man right some of us were like wow did you see Hulk Hogan's yeah but did you watch that Steamboat versus Randy Savage match man that was awesome did you see what they did and then the you know, that's how NXT is. Whenever there's an NXT takeover, like, they used to only have NXT takeover pay-per-views, you know, before the weekend of or whatever, the big three, big four pay-per-views. You know, there would be an NXT takeover the weekend of WrestleMania, weekend of SummerSlam, uh, Royal Rumble, and what was the other one? Survivor Series, uh, which has hardly even Survivor Series anymore. But anyways, um, the NXT, you know, stole the show. Everyone was talking about, man, did you see so-and-so? Oh, man, I can't wait to see him on the main roster. And then they'd call him up to Raw or SmackDown or whatever, and they'd suck. You know, except for Paige. The, the women that got called up were the women's rev evolution or revolution or whatever. You know, the women that got called up from NXT steal the show on the regular pay-per-views of the quote-unquote regular shows, Raw and SmackDown and uh, the specials. But anyways, um, so getting kind of towards the the show here itself, uh, on the pre-show, they have these two, this, they used to have like a, just pre-show panel, which I like way better, I don't know who these two guys in suits are, they're standing around the studio, <coughs> talking about wrestling, but they suck, they just suck. I, what's their their purpose of existing? I mean, I, I don't get it. it. It was better when you had the legends sitting there with Renee Young and Renee conducting everything, and you know the, the you know Booker T, who Jerry Lawler was there sometimes. Paige needs to be there every time, just so I can look at Paige. Um, and so, you know, these things, but now they have two guys in a studio on a pre-recorded thing telling corny jokes, and it's kind of a throwback to how it used to be. I remember this from when I was a kid. There, there would be like, you know, Todd Pentengill and somebody else, or it was good when it was, uh, when Raw first started and the matches were like pre-recorded and, you know, Bethel, PA or somewhere, and Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby Heenan were in a studio. That was awesome. These guys are nowhere near Bobby Heenan and Gorilla Monsoon level. Kiss my ass. Okay, that's how I feel about the two guys on the pre-show. Then they had, you know, it was supposed to be horrible funny, but it was just horrible, horrible. Uh, Miz and John Morrison did a music video about how they need to 
beat up Braun Strowman. And it was just terrible. Um, the whole build to the Miz and Morrison versus Braun Strowman uh, has been terrible. Um, the Really, one thing I... I did. I would say about this pay per view to sum it all up uh, before I like go match by match is it was sort of ho hummish. Kind of it, just there weren't any like long term feuds or storylines for you to really get into. And I've been a fan of the empty arena matches. Um, I like being able to hear the wrestlers talking to each other in the ring. And stuff like that. Um, not talking the match out, but just, you know, like last night when Randy Orton had edged down, I knew at one point he was telling him the next set of moves, but I couldn't hear that. But then I could hear, you know, Randy, you know, telling him in a real low voice, just give up, Edge. You can't do it anymore or something. You know, uh, that I like hearing. But aside from Orton versus Edge, it just didn't seem like there was any long-term, you know, feuds or any long, long-term build-up. Um, the six-woman or three-woman tag, three-team women's tag team match was good. It had quite a, a little bit of a feud into it, but other than that, I mean, there was nothing there that made me get excited for this. Um, well, the Orton versus Edge match, which I'll get into later, I it, it exceeded my expectation. But that was the only thing with a long-term storyline involved. Um, what was probably really one of the best matches all, of all time and should have been on this special was AJ Styles versus Daniel Bryan. Uh, I haven't watched it, but I'll go back and watch it. It was on Friday Night SmackDown. I, I heard they put on a 40-minute classic. And these are the two guys that can do it. And these are the two guys that prove Vince McMahon's wrong. Nobody wants to see, you know, Brock Lesnar go out and sweat to death for five minutes, have a squash match, and that's that. And then not see the world champion for six months. You know, those days are over of the big roid head wrestler that like Larry Zabisco described them, you know, you got these big steroid, you know, bodybuilders in wrestling and this guy can't work and that guy can't work. So this guy comes out and throws his clothesline and then the other guy does his clotheslines and yeah, that's all they can do. Well, I mean, Brock Lesnar at when he was younger could do a lot more than that. I don't know what his problem is now. His conditioning isn't that good. He's still huge, but he's uh, I don't. He's not as cardiovascular as he used to be, or something, um, because it doesn't take long for him to get out of breath and sweating. So uh, the pre-show uh, continued. They had Andrade versus Apollo Cruz. Uh, with Kevin Owens coming out to watch Apollo Cruz's back from uh, Angel Garza or Zelina Vega getting involved in the match. So Kevin stayed on commentary for the most part. He came out with a <laughs> to do commentary uh, in a sleeveless t-shirt and a tie. 
So, Kevin's funny and he's very entertaining, uh, wrestling and uh, as a commentator and so on. Um, so, uh, uh, what was it? Angel Garza tried to get involved. KO stopped him. This was a really good, very fast-paced match between two guys who can really work and do a lot of uh, quick moves, high-flying, and neither one of them are cruiserweight size. I mean, they're both, you know, fairly big guys. Um, not steroided out, but b bigger than your average person. Uh, so... I thought that was, you know, a good match. Should have been maybe like in the middle of the card for the United States title, not the pre-show, but it is what it is. Uh, the show, main show kicked off with Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross versus the Iconics versus Bailey and Sasha Banks. Uh, Nikki Cross might be the most entertaining person in WWE next to Asuka. I mean, she comes out with so much energy. Uh, she went from, you know, being like a, a crazy person that belongs in an insane asylum uh, when she was in NXT, which I like that gimmick, but it just doesn't translate uh, into the way that Raw and SmackDown work. Uh, you know, like I said, NXT is just a way cooler, way different beast, and Raw and SmackDown are a little more toned, refined, if you will, by wrestling standards, which I don't think wrestling should be refined. I think it should be gritty and brutish, but whatever. Uh, but Nikki's just hyper-energetic and really cool to watch her interact with people, and even if it's just the announcers and that. Uh, then you had... <clears throat> uh, Billy Kay, who's kind of, uh, I like her as the, or in the um, Iconics. I realize her and Peyton Royce are kind of like Edge and Christian, where they've been best friends for a long time. Um, but she ends up being the jobber of the two. Um, and you can see that they're, trying to build uh, Peyton Royce into a women's champion. I think, you know, uh, Billy Kay is just as good, just as entertaining, just as good of a wrestler, and just as attractive. She's the one that uh, Dave Meltzer got into trouble for saying that she put on some weight since from the time she went from NXT to the main roster. But I think that was on purpose. Maybe she's supposed to be like the enforcer or something of the group. I don't know, but it was uh, a good match. It ended, um, with, uh, Alexa Bliss hit the Twisted Bliss, but then Sasha Banks, like, snuck into the ring and grabbed her and did a surprise roll-up. So, they're still doing, you know, the Sasha and Bailey are gonna break up eventually thing but i think they're waiting until they have uh crowd fans in the arena to do that but bailey and sasha win they retain the tag women's tag team championships um they're supposed to defend them 
the winner of this match was supposed to defend the championships on NXT next week. Or this week. Whatever. Um, but, you know, Bailey and Sasha, um, I, you know, I like Bailey, who's getting better and better as a heel. Uh, when her and Sasha split up, it's going to be who, interesting to see who the crowd makes the face and who they make the heel out of. Because the fans are going to determine this one. You know, uh, you know, Bailey was like, I heard somebody say one time, if you hate Bailey, it's like saying you hate puppy dogs. I don't really think you want to be compared to a puppy, but Bailey was like the cute pony, side ponytail, you know, nice, nice girl. Uh, and then she turned heel and cut her hair and, um, which I like, um, I like Bailey as a heel, but This could go either way. Because remember when they tried to turn Becky Lynch heel? And the fans liked her even more? So, will the fans like Becky or Bailey even more? And, uh... She wants to be called Bailey Dose Belts because... She doesn't want to be like the next Becky Lynch. And, you know, Becky was Becky Two Belts. And people were starting to call Bailey, Bailey, two belts. Uh, anyway. I get a voicemail from somebody while I'm doing this. I don't know. Don't recognize that number. Um, but that was, you know, a good match. Um, then you had Sheamus versus Jeff Hardy, who I want to keep calling Matt. <laughs> um, it was a good match. Wouldn't say it was great. Sheamus won. And like I said, this match had like a super quick build-up um, to it. They did a lot to build this angle in a short amount of time. Um, you know, <clears throat> a couple weeks ago you had... <clears throat> apparently Sheamus jacked Jeff Hardy's car and ran over Elias and wrecked... Jeff Hardy's rental car and then poured beer all over the inside of it and threw beer on Jeff Hardy and beat him up and threw him into some bushes. Then on the Go Home Smackdown show, uh, Sheamus made Jeff Hardy pee into a, a drug test cup, which was like a big, big ass cup, uh, bigger than any drug test cup I've ever had to pee in, and then Jeff threw the pee on Seamus, which that would have been, that was funny to see. If I would have seen it live, it would have been even funnier, but anyway, um, so Seamus won that one. We don't, I don't know where this angle will go from there, but, uh, the, the storyline is certainly not finished. Um, you have Nia Jax versus Asuka. And I think Asuka should have just come out and tore Nia Jax up. But the problem is... Nia is so big. 
and she's not that powerful. I bet you if, you know, if, if in the weight room, she's not that strong. Uh, in fact, I bet you there's any number of women that can outlift her. Charlotte Flair by far. Charlotte can outlift some of the guys probably. But um, they have to make it like she's a, a brute, a strong person, uh, strong physically. And she's not. She's just big. And so am I. Okay? I, I know it. But, you know, Naya, I'm glad she's gotten over, like, feeling sorry for herself about her weight problem. But she should be doing something about it. They shouldn't be glorifying her obesity and also at the same time lying to us and talking about her athleticism, which is non-existent, and also talking to us about her strength and power, which isn't that great, or she wouldn't be hurting wrestlers. Um, so it ended in a... a a double count out draw, which meant WWE didn't know which direction to go, who to make win, who to make lose. Um, so <clears throat> again, that was kind of, it was just there. I don't know. Um, then you had the Miz versus John Morrison versus Braun Strowman. It started out with a handy as a handicap match. And then they changed the rules. Instead of Morrison and Miz being co-champions, whoever got the pen or submission would be the champion. So it basically turned into a three-way match, but with handicap match rules. The Miz and Morrison had to tag in and out. Um, at one point, the Miz broke up the pen when John Morrison had Braun Strowman pinned. Of course, that created controversy um, for a split second anyways. Um, but then you had, uh, it, it just kind of, you know, kind of bored me. I don't know. Uh, Morrison, you know, if, if Braun was going to drop the belt at this match, I was like, man, it wouldn't be that bad if he dropped it to John Morrison. Because John Morrison deserves it. You know, he was being really rocketed to the top uh, by WWE for a while. And then he, you know, fell onto some hard times personally. And he went into impact wrestling and made a, a big impact, no pun intended, there. He was one of the few good wrestlers on impact, which is, with, with the exception of Tessa Blanchard and a couple others, is like a glorified indie show with TV. Uh, but nonetheless, you got uh, Morrison, who is a great wrestler, fast, athletic, can do all kinds of things. Uh, you know, so I, I thought maybe, just maybe, they would put the belt on him. But they're kind of just buying their time until... Uh, they can put people back into arenas when uh, they can have the Bray Wyatt versus Braun Strowman feud really play out, I think. 
because that's a feud that it can't possibly be over this quick. Um, so the next thing you had was Bobby Lashley versus Drew McIntyre. They're still doing the Bobby and Lana are married angle, and Bobby decided, well, through MVP, his manager, uh, Bobby's the one who decided Lana can't be at ringside during his matches. Because every time she would try to interfere to help him, she would get in the way. Uh, but anyhow, so Bobby comes out. He puts Drew McIntyre in the full Nelson. Um, before the bell rings. Now, I like this move with Bobby Lashley. Because, you know, Bobby Lashley is a big, strong guy. He should be using a submission finish. And the full Nelson is uh, something that hasn't been used af at all since, like, the days of Billy Jack Haynes. Uh, and then there was, like, Hercules who used the full Nelson. So it's something I like to see come back. Um, and, of course, you know, before the match, anyways, uh, Lashley had Drew McIntyre in the full Nelson for I don't know how long. That, you know, like three referees came out and tried to pull him off and blah, 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 and didn't work. And then eventually Lashley let loose of the full Nelson and uh, the match started. And, of course, Lashley was dominating uh, through most of it. Uh, yeah, at one point there was a spot where uh, he had... Drew McIntyre up in a fireman's carry, and uh, I guess he didn't quite have him up all the way, and probably because they're both sweaty and slippery. Uh, he dropped Drew McIntyre on his head when he was supposed to uh, swing Drew McIntyre into the steel steps. Uh, that didn't happen, and he just dropped him. So he had to pick Drew McIntyre up again and do the the move again. And this time he hit it, and Drew went into the steps. And then in Drew McIntyre fashion, you know, he came back. And then, you know, Bobby Lashley cut him off. And uh, it was a really good match. I, I think if I went back and watched it again, I'd probably like it better. Drew McIntyre is great at selling. He's great at making you think he won't uh, get back into the match and all this stuff. And then, of course, he does, and he wins. Uh, so Drew McIntyre won this one to retain his title. Um, next was a video package. And I didn't know if this was the match or if this was the like a, a build-up to the match. Um, it was, you know, this... They, they've been doing this thing of anything you can do, I can do better... With the Street Profits and the Viking Raiders. Viking Raiders. They sure kept their name as War Machine, but whatever. Um, so, the Viking Raiders, you know, they're going back and forth and with the Street Profits. And then you're like inside the Viking Raiders' dreams. And then all of a sudden, Tozawa pulls up on a motorcycle with a bunch of ninjas. Uh, 
<laughs> and then so the two teams have to come together to fight off the ninjas. And then they... Uh, all end up in a roll-off dumpster. And then Ref Jess comes out, stands on a ladder and says, Hey, knock it off, you guys. You're on next. And... You know, she tells Ivar, is it Ivar? I think it's Ivar. Yeah, you're kind of cute. <laughs> so, uh, or actually she said that first. But then she said, come on, you guys got to get out of there. You're on next. And there was a couple of Star Wars references. Like at one point, one of the Viking Raiders used a, uh, used the force to, you know, he wrenched his hand out and there was a turkey leg in a tree and it started shaking and the next thing you know, it flies into his hand. Uh, and then there was another Star Wars reference in this match where uh, there's a, a, some kind of monster in the giant roll-off dumpster with them and they're all trying to escape. Well, then we cut back to the announcers uh and they say okay due to time constraints the street profits versus the viking raiders will not be next so it's like you wasted 20 minutes on this dumb video package when they could have had a great 20 minute match uh, like what and it wasn't live it was all pre-recorded so they could have done the match i don't so, I don't know. Maybe the match will show on Raw tonight. I, I have no idea. So, uh, then we get to the greatest match ever. Which, um, I didn't think it would be. But, if you were a fan of uh, Matt Wrestling and, you know, old school wrestling, not a lot of crazy zippity doodah bumps and high flying you were gonna like this match and I thought it was uh good uh I would give it you know five stars oh it started out slow well let's go back it started in the pre-show you had like a debate kind of thing between Ric Flair and Christian Edge's former tag team partner. And they were debating, you know, who was the best? Who was, you know, better and why? And so, you know, Christian, I didn't really hear Ric Flair's side of it, but Christian's argument for Edge being the better or Randy Orton. Wait a second. Randy Orton not being the better man was, you know, Randy had his, his dad's name to live off of. And then he said, you know, and after that, you know, Randy started, you know, sucking up to guys like you and Triple H and this and that. And Edge had to work for everything and Randy had things handed to him and uh, stuff like that. And it's cool, you know. Uh, 
I didn't really get Ric Flair's side of it. I don't know if I just spaced out or whatever, but, um, then, okay, so that was in the pre-show. Jump to the match. The announcers announced that this match deserves to be seen in front of thousands, so we're going to have some special effects and special camera angles and stuff like that. And they brought a microphone down from the top of the arena that said MSG, like the old Madison Square Garden microphone that came down from the ceiling. And uh, the referee, you know, read the rules to the guys in the middle of the ring. And he said, you know, shake hands and come out wrestling. And uh, you know, it was kind of cute, you know. But the match itself was a lot of, you know, ground wrestling, chain wrestling, uh, mat wrestling at first. Uh, the only high spots or off the top rope stuff, you know, was like cross body blocks and things like that. Um, at one point, somewhere in the match, Edge tore his tricep, which really stinks for Edge. Uh, he's had a great comeback in all of this, uh, you know, starting at the Royal Rumble and then, um, uh, what was he? He was on Raw with Randy Orton a few times. And they had a good WrestleMania street fight match. And so, uh, throughout this match, though, the... Like, you could see that the... Um, there, were, there were people there in attendance, and they were told to evidently overreact. I mean, the... The Enic, or what are they calling out? The Performance Center trainees, or something, uh, were there to have a live audience. And they were really, you know, overly into the match. Uh, and I'm sure they were told to act that way. And there were a lot of uh, camera shots of their reactions. But then at one point, I noticed there's too much crowd noise for the size of the crowd. And there would be, it like wasn't synced with what was going on in the ring. There would be like cheering and then booing, which you didn't know what was being cheered and booed. So <laughs> it was kind of strange. Like, why are they booing at this time? They're both just laying on the mat. I don't know. Um, so, um, you know, and then there was a, this is awesome chant and the people around the ring were chanting it too, but I think a lot of it was the piped in sound. And it was at that point though, I really realized, you know, it was an awesome match. Uh, I was like, I agreed with it. It was, you know, both guys, there were a lot of false finishes, uh, which always gets the crowd going. Um, because you think, oh, one, two, three, oh, you know, and you build the crowd up with that. So, um, yeah, it was good. Good, good match. Wasn't the greatest match ever. That might have been the night before on SmackDown with uh, Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles. But, anyhow, I don't want to diminish what this match was. 
they've used like every finisher in the book. You know, uh, Edge got in a few spears. He gave a rock bottom. Um, what are some of the other moves? You know, Randy Orton did a few different finish moves uh, from other wrestlers. And so, it, overall, you know, it was a really good wrestling match. Um, Randy Orton won with his punt kick to Edge's head, uh, which is one of the moves that I've read has been banned. Um, also, something that happened in this match that was supposed to be banned was uh, Randy Orton got cut open. And the match actually went so long that the blood dried on Randy's face. Um, so, you know, he got cut open. It was above his right here. So it was probably the hard way. Uh, you know, if you hit somebody right here and do it right, where it's just skin on bone, it'll cut open real easy. Um, but, you know, they're not supposed to have blood in WWE anymore. So that may have either been a, a special, hey, Vince, can we do this one time for this one special match? We won't be a lot. Uh, something like that. But overall, the pay-per-view was ho-hum. Uh, it finished on a really good note, though. This was a good match. The bad thing is now we find out that Edge has a torn tricep. So he's going to be gone for eight months or a year. And who knows if he's going to come back. I mean, you know, he's clear, evidently cleared to wrestle full time or as often as possible. Uh, I'd rather see him as a special attraction than a full-time, you know, every week wrestler. I wouldn't mind seeing him get, you know, one more nostalgia world title run for even if it's only like six months or from one pay-per-view to the next. But we're going to have to wait eight months to a year now if he comes back. So we'll just see, I guess. Um, so that was the pay-per-view. Um, I'd kind of give it a thumbs down. I mean, I'm sure everyone put their best into it, but just it, nothing there really blew me away. And, you know, maybe if I went back and watched it again, I don't know, I'd, I'd see it better. Um, I mean, the matches that stood out to me were, you know, the women's tag team title match although i mean it wasn't spectacular um randy and edge put on a great match um but other than that i really wasn't that into it it just you know the feuds and storylines really didn't have that much going for them that i could get into so um uh, I'm a little, you know, was disappointed over the last few days to see Paul Heyman get canned as the uh, head creative guy on Raw. I thought it was starting to get better, uh, even if the ratings didn't show that. Uh, I'm going to hate to see them mess up NXT by putting, you know, Raw and SmackDown superstars on there. Um, NXT superstars are are perfectly fine on their own who cares that they're behind in the ratings to uh 
AEW right now. You know, AEW is a hot new product. Um, you know, so it might take a while for NXT to catch up. But, you know, I always watch AEW live, so to speak. And then I watch NXT later on or the next day. So I just, I don't want to see the WWE mess that up and think that the NXT superstars can't carry their own weight. They've been carrying it for a while. They, frankly, among fans are more popular than the main roster superstars. Like their matches are better. The storylines and angles are better. Uh, so, we'll see. Rinsman Man is a strange character. I mean, for crying out loud, the guy at 73 years old is still sorry, I had to take a cigar break. Still working out for a couple hours a day. And God bless him for it. I mean, he looks better than some people half his age. You know, muscle-wise. He's still humongous. Uh, so, anyways, that was uh, WWE Backlash. Kind of a, a review of, of that and some other things that were going on. So, uh, hope you guys had a good day. God bless you. Like, share, and subscribe. And pray for each other. And we'll see you next time.